Oh, hey, it's you again. Welcome back to Getting It Out Podcast. Whether you're a frequent listener or even just a first timer, I want to thank you for clicking on the episode. I know there's a lot of options, a lot of podcasts to pick through and listen to. And this time you chose Getting It Out. If you like what you hear on this episode or maybe what you've heard in the past, I want to ask you to consider joining the gettingitout.net Patreon, where you'll get early ad-free access to interviews, sometimes weeks before they air. It only costs $2 a month, and hey, once you set it up, it's like making beef jerky in the 90s. You set it, and you forget it. You'll get email updates each time I post an episode exclusive to the Patreon. And though the cost is low for you, your support makes a huge impact on what I can continue to do with gettingitout.net and Getting It Out podcast. If you're interested, check the link in the show notes or head over to patreon.com slash gettingitoutpodcast. Thanks for hearing me out, and enjoy this episode of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Getting It Out podcast. That was striking distance with Hated, their big hit. Yeah, an easy choice when you're going back to play a track from Striking Distance. That came off of March to Your Grave, one of the best hardcore LPs of all time. Top 25, maybe? Top 50 for sure. I don't know where you put it. And I don't care because I know where it belongs. That was Striking Distance from Washington, D.C. Hated, March to Your Grave. I've said those things 
but I said it again. Now you know what we're talking about on this episode of the podcast. It's hardcore. It's hardcore from Young Blood Records. It's Young Blood Records hardcore specifically. Striking Distance is a fine example of that. But I'm going to talk to my friend Sean O'Donnell, who has been running the label since 1997. And we'll get into all of that, I promise you. But first, we got to make a stop in New Jersey in the hottest zone there is with hot. Kick it! So try as I might, when I try to think about it, when I first discovered hardcore and punk rock, I, I can't find that spot. I don't know. I don't know where that exists. I don't know where that happened in my life. I know I was young. I sometimes say it was the summer before seventh grade when I bought my first skateboard, which I ordered out of the CSE catalog, sent a check that I paid my mom cash for. And then we sent that check across the country in an envelope and hoped that it worked. And for nearly a whole summer, it felt like at least I waited for the UPS truck to show up with my Tom Penny flip magic mushroom skateboard and my venture trucks and my Spitfire wheels and my Duff risers. Was it Duff? I don't know. Uh, you know, just things like that, that I really distinctly remember shorties, black magic grip tape, but also along with that came a pair of shoes that I needed to use to use that skateboard. Cause of course I couldn't go out there in my fucking Pumas or whatever I had. I had to get a new pair of skate shoes and the skate shoes that I chose were Vans, Simon Woodstocks. They were like murdered out black shoes and they weren't very cool looking, but for some reason I thought they were. And, uh, along with that came a CD for Vans Warped Tour Punkorama Volume 2.1. And it had some like stuff that I was pretty familiar with, like Rancid, No Effects, uh, Bad Religion, Descendants. Like that stuff was, that stuff was accessible at the time. There was lesser known stuff for me, like H2O, uh, DFL for sure, uh, The Joy Killer, maybe Humpers, Hepcat had a track on there. That kind of expanded my view into uh, underground music. And then there was a neighbor down the street who influenced me a great deal, uh, not because he tried to, just because I thought he was cool. He was in like in hindsight, he was kind of a piece of shit, but he was uh, he was cool to me and he liked good and bad music. And I figured out what that was by borrowing his CDs without his knowledge. I would go into his house. I wouldn't break into his house. I would go into his house with his brother. His little brother was a friend of mine and I would take CDs out of there and uh, make tapes with them and then figure out what was good, what was bad. And then sometime, I don't know when, I found out that you could go to shows. You could go, you could just go see a lot of these bands or bands that sounded like them because they were playing at the local skate park nearly every Friday night. Uh, First Capital Skate Park in York, Pennsylvania. But before that even, friends of mine started going to shows in fire halls, Dillsburg Fire Hall, York, uh, what was it called? Liberty City or Liberty something, Liberty Fire Hall maybe. And there were bands, hardcore and punk bands playing there. And I started going, but I wasn't old enough to drive. So I'd ride with this guy, Brandon. And Brandon was a couple years older than us. And he would take us in this shitty gray van. And it was awesome. And then I started going by myself when I could drive. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm getting to the point that eventually 
I come across what is Young Blood Records, and I'll talk a little bit about that with uh, with Sean here in this interview. But it's, I think we think we know the time, the place, and I don't think it's ever as smooth or as instant as we say it is. At least it wasn't for me. Maybe I'm just totally projecting my own experiences. I remember buying Hate Breeds Under the Knife. And I don't think I bought that because that was the only thing out. I bought that because it was the cheapest thing out. I believe my options were Satisfaction and Under the Knife. And I was like, well, this one's cheap. So I'm going to buy this one. And then getting home, putting it on and going, well, this sucks. (laughs) Cause, uh, cause it sounds like shit, you know, and eventually growing to appreciate it. But initially being like, what the fuck, who listens to this? This is garbage. And, uh, maybe that primed me a little bit for when I picked up that desperate measures demo tape at the young blood records, semi showcase show that we talk about here in this episode. And, uh, I don't know, I was just reflecting a little bit on getting into the music. And unfortunately it made me think about all the people I got into the music with and how like, um, a large, like a really large majority of them are no longer around. And that's one of the reasons why I appreciate the music even more because it's a window into a time that I had with these people. Brandon, who I mentioned died very young, uh, July 7th, 2003. Um, I was 18. He was 21. Um, my best friend, the best friend I ever had, Scotto, who I did all these things with, uh, he died less, less than two years ago. Uh, things like that, you know, and, and I can think of, I can listen to music like this and it takes me back to doing stuff with them and whether I wanted to or not, you know, sometimes we hit that nostalgia button and it sucks and we don't want to be there, but it is nice to look back and to have these memories with this music. And I continue to make them by having conversations with people who had a part in it. This episode is that conversation with Sean O'Donnell of Youngblood Records. But first, how about some desperate measures?
I talk to people all the time about uh, the music scene in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and what is surprisingly here. And I can never explain why it's here. And one of the things I always bring up is Youngblood Records. Uh-huh, so yeah. how did you end up starting Youngblood Records here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Well, you know, I've lived in Lancaster all my life. Um, the thing that's nice about Lancaster is you're close to Philly, you're close to Baltimore, D.C., uh, New Jersey, New York. And basically, you know, in 1997, um, you know, there was a lot of bands popping off that were. I, I think I like to think I like all styles of hardcore, but I especially, you know, liked and still love um, you know, the style of hardcore, straight edge hardcore that, you know, was prevalent in the late 80s. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, when floor punch started happening and for those listening, I'm sure most people, most listeners might are, are probably familiar. But, you know, in 1997, there was a wave of hardcore like on the East Coast that was akin to late eighties. It was bands like floor punch, um, hands tied, um, Atari, 10 yard fight, uh, rain on the parade and rancor. And so rancor was the first release that we put out. And so the label started with me, um, my friend, Joe whiskey, man, who lives in Ephrata, which is a town in, in Lancaster County. And my friend Tate Organt, who lives in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and uh, him and I were college roommates. So, you know, we were all excited by what was happening on the East Coast in, uh, you know, in 1997. And basically, I asked the band Rancor from Allentown on a whim. They didn't know who we were. You know, we knew who we barely knew who who they were. But, uh, you know, that was just kind of things were very informal back then. And they're, and lo and behold, they're like, yeah, we'll do it. So, you know, coming from Lancaster, there's always been, well, they're in the, you know, late eighties to the nineties. My first show was 1989 when I was 12 years old. And there was always a lot of good shows here. Not a ton of bands from Lancaster, hardly any, Mm -hmm. But always a a lot of good shows here. Um, You know, we have the Chameleon and then there was just shows strewn about the county and all sorts of, you know, fire halls, all purpose rooms, rec rooms. So that foundation of a pretty good amount of shows coming through here. And, uh, you know, we had a good record store. We have a sound records, you know, um, was the first record store I ever went to and there's been great record stores since. So basically this was just where I lived, but, um, you know, I would go to shows in the, in the tri-state area. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny that you say, well, it's funny and correct how you mentioned that maybe the bands aren't from here or weren't from here or, you know, but it was, but there were always shows. Right. And I, I, so I'm pulling from, my mind from years ago and the back to when I remember you doing, I forget what it was even called a podcast with Phil Hyotis. Yeah. And, and I, 
Was your first show at the Chameleon the Undead? Yeah, the first show was like August 1989. It was uh, the Undead, which is Bobby Steele from the Misfits Band. Uh, my first musical love was definitely the Misfits, and yeah. which is a perfect uh, band to get into when you're still a kid because you know their imagery is like a mix in their records were almost like a, were almost like toys mixed with really good music it was just a whole package so i was excited to go to that show but all the openers were just were local bands there was um transmission who turned into conviction uh which had ties to earth crisis um they were from hershey there was on life which joe the guy who's one of the guys who started the label with me he sang for uh, there's this band, The Past. They're from uh, Lancaster and a few others, but it was all like, you know, just local openers and then The Undead. So that was the first show I went to. And uh, it was exciting. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, you know, it was, I was only 12, but, you know, me and a buddy, you know, we were into skateboarding and stuff. And my parents were pretty, you know, liberal. And, and um, I, I forget how we got there. I guess my mom dropped me off, but uh, it was, it, it was exciting. And then, you know, from there, shows just started snowballing. I I believe the fall of that year, I went to see Naked Raygun. They played The Chameleon, um, saw him dead again. And, you know, whatever show basically I could get to at The Chameleon because I grew up, I lived about five miles from it. So it wasn't too yeah. hard to get to. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny is I have a, I have, and I'm sure lots of people do, but I have a piece of the stage on the wall now in my garage, which was, uh, which was kind of like a corny thing they did when they were closing down. But I'm, but I'm glad I did it because like, when I think about it, I, I spent a lot of time and saw tons of shows and made a lot of friends in that building at that venue. And uh, sometimes I hated the place, but I guess it was, it was pretty important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny, like I'm less nostalgic about that about that venue than other places that I've been to throughout my life. But I saw a lot of great shows there. Um, you know, Integrity played there, Earth Crisis played. You know, so many bands, Strife. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of bands came through there, and also throughout the county. Um, just you know, if you've ever been up to the Lidditch Spring Park, there were shows in a like a rec room in Lidditch Spring Park. Um, which is a park in Lancaster County where both Dan and I live. And um, Youth of Today played there. Girl of Biscuits played there. Side by Side played there. Side by Side barely left the, the New York area. Um, Verbal Assault, Dag Nasty. This was before my time. Right. But, um, you just you know, Jeremy Weiss um, from CI Records booked a lot of great shows in, in, in Lancaster County. He brought a lot of bands here. Uh, bold played there pressure release wide awake um so you know there's and that's one cool thing about you know the 80s and the 90s one very cool thing is you know if you drive around lancaster i can i drive by buildings all the time that it's like oh i saw unbroken in that in a small room <laughs> in that fire hall you know so <laughs> it's weird yeah. it's funny and it's i i, I again i talk about it all the time the stuff that happened or ha has happened or does happen here in lancaster pennsylvania and it's it's odd because yeah. there's nothing here but uh yeah. like now i mean you know now you we have the the rock Lidditz thing up the road where it's like all right bieber or mariah carey will be here for some reason and also in this building youth of today played like and and, yeah. and oh and there goes a horse and buggy what like it's just, it's just a it's a it's a weird place i walk to work 
uh, every day. I, I, I work close enough that I can walk. And, uh, the, and I was talking to my wife about this the other day where I saw a, the, the, well, I see them all the time. It's this lawnmower company or this landscaping company and the women are, are the workers and they're in their dresses and bonnets. And, you yeah. know, it's just like this Mennonite shit. And like, for the first time seeing that, it's like, what the fuck is going on here? And now I don't even blink. It's just like this weird area where you have all these different cultures. And for some reason, there's been a big music boom here too. Yeah. For, for years and years when, um, we'd list a physical address on the back of the records. I specifically kept a PO box in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, because I didn't want Lancaster written on it because Lancaster is too associated with Amish. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, I, I just, you know, people, the first thing people think about Lancaster is the Amish. And I just didn't want that kind of mental connotation in anyone's head just if just by having the word on the record. So <laughs> having said that, I mean, I do love living here. Um, it's, it's an easy place to live. Um, and you're close to a lot. Like I said, you know, Philadelphia, I kind of consider Lancaster to be somewhat of a far suburb of Philadelphia. Um, and you can get to a lot of places pretty, pretty easily. It's almost like strategically located between a bunch of, pretty big east coast cities yeah I, I like it so much i've moved here three times <laughs> i'm not move, i'm not moving out again you know like yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking around this time but uh, so um I, I always i always even back when i got oh, i guess i should go back to my first exposure to young blood records okay and then and then okay so so the reason i brought up like what your first show was is because it wasn't my first show and i'm sure i've said this to you or mentioned this to you in the past it wasn't my first show it wasn't my first hardcore show or anything but it was the first it was the, the first it was the hardcore show where i went okay i like hardcore this is what i'm into and it was basically a young blood records showcase show in at the MXville Park building in York, Pennsylvania, well, MXville, but in York, Pennsylvania. And it was striking distance, desperate measures, worn thin, my luck. Well, and then, and then cranked up with yeah. from violent society and six South who were from, from York. And that was like, I remember buying the desperate measures, two song demo promo tape at that show and being infatuated with it, listening to it nonstop. And, uh, I remember hanging outside, smoking, smoking cigarillos or something like that. No idea what I'm doing at a hardcore show. You know what I mean? Like just uh, like just no clue what straight edge is, nothing. But just there loving the music. And it immediately got me hooked on stuff that was Youngblood Records because everything there essentially almost was Youngblood Records. So I've always credited you and Youngblood as like the the label the bands that got me hooked and uh it's i stand by that to this day that is so cool yeah i, I definitely remember that show that was uh, that yeah it was almost like a uh, young blood showcase because my luck they came all the way up from they were based out of texas they, they were kind of based out of cleveland and texas but they were they came up from te texas so it's cool you know and there was um yeah there's always for for me that that is really cool to hear the for me the show that clicked when you realize that like hardcore is like a scene within a scene especially and, and then you get into like maybe like straight edge hardcore um the first show that really clicked for me where i realized there was more to it than just like you know punk rock was 
um, it was mouthpiece, edgewise, turning point, and vision at the Chameleon on Super Bowl Sunday. I believe it was 1990 or 91. But yeah, it's it. There's always there always seems to be a show where it clicks for someone, and it's cool to hear that a show where so many Youngblood bands played was that show for you. Um, and uh, I definitely remember that show. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I got I, I mean, I don't know. It was probably 2000, 2001 ish. I want to say around. I know I was still in high school, you know, and uh, so it's so it about 10 years removed from when it clicked for you. But it still still did and it still mattered. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I remember. So so one of the things that got me stoked on it back then, especially was seeing Ephrata on the on yeah. thing, you know, just knowing like, oh, this this is local, like there was nothing i wasn't using the internet the same way back then there was nothing to tell me that this was this was like sourced here and uh and i thought that was really cool and so since then it's always just been youngblood immediately became like if it's on youngblood i need to check it out and i think you've become that label for a lot of people over the years and even though i mean like when i look at the the discography now Mm -hmm. it's not it's not a ton it's not an overwhelming amount no, no, it's that's a little frustrating for me because I would like to do more and I do plan. I want to get back into a p- busy period. Um, but, you know, when I feel a little bad about that, I just say, oh, it's just it's quality over quantity. That's it's right. been The label's been around since 1997. So what's that? 26 years. And we've done like 50 records. So it's not a ton. Um, it's not. So it wouldn't be that hard to keep up with i mean we, we certainly don't try don't overwhelm <laughs> right <laughs> but uh, i'm trying to i would like to pull off a few more busy periods because throughout the years there's been i feel some periods that were pretty busy like when desperate measures was was happening yeah. and you know around then was you know um worn thin far from breaking and then that turned in those bands turned into Line of Judah, you know, Iron Age and Police and so, Thieves. Police and Thieves, exactly. So yeah. Um yeah. So yeah, what I say is um quality over quantity. But I do I do intend to um try to get a little bit busier and and for a couple more periods. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, tell me about the the early days of releasing these records back you know maybe not so much the the first couple but after that was it a was it an easy thing to decide to carry on with i don't i don't mean to that pun no pun intended yeah <laughs> but but was there a was it like a i don't know is this is this is working moment well so the, really the the this is working moment one of them the early you know the the rancor seven inch um which is the first record we did you know, we we blew through a thousand copies in only a few months and did a second pressing of another thousand copies, which may or may not seem like a lot to some people. You know, I think now that seems ago, like a lot. Yeah, it's, it's funny. A few years ago, that would definitely be a lot. Now, you know, I feel like, you know, hardcore is pretty big right now. I mean, yeah, but are people buying a th- 2007 inches? No, <laughs> like, like, I, like realistically, I don't, I, I don't know. I think in the last, I buy a lot of records and in the last few years, the amount of seven inches I bought are pretty minimal. I mean, yeah. like, so, so yeah. 2007 inches now would be insane. 
yeah. So yeah, that, that was that was really cool. That surprised us. You know, we did a thousand in the first press, and then the second press, off the top of my head, it was at least five hundred. Probably, I think it was two thousand total. Um, so that was cool, and it was just like from from that moment on, there was just always a cool band happening that you know was interested. Uh, that we were interested in, they were interested in doing a, a record with us, you know, very informal. And, you know, back then in the early days of the label, there was less, there was less labels of our ilk. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a little bit, a little bit easier to, you know, you work with bands we thought were really cool and, and loved. So um, there was, it was in the late nineties and early two thousands, it was a little less structured um, at least our corner of hardcore, you know. Um, so one one release would always turn into the next one, and then you know, um, Rancor would wanted to do another seven inch, and then Joe, one of the guys I started label with, he moved to the West Coast, and then he met Carry On, and he met Life's Hall. You know, those are two West Coast bands in the late nineties, like nineteen ninety nine era, mm-hmm. and. Again, you know, just because a lot of the labels that um, are still around today weren't fully established yet. Like, you know, um, Bridge Nine, which is a great label that's been around a long time. They weren't fully they they were still establishing themselves just just like we were. So it was a little easier to to get band, to get to the bands, you know, um, but, you know moments when things clicked it was used like i said each release would snowball into another um some of the the biggest moments probably from the label um would be getting the master back for iron age constant struggle that was a mind-blowing moment because that was that's a definitive record um still can't believe that you know we were able to put it out um and just you know, every release usually, uh, yeah, almost every release has exceeded my expectations. Usually, you know, when when the when the band gets the final rec- recording to me, um, so yeah. Well, the 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 Iron Age uh, constant struggle record is certainly one I wanted to talk about. That's one that I love. It's one of my favorite hardcore records ever. Uh, yeah, no hyperbole or anything. I love that record. Um, I remember buying a copy at the original champ but it was the it was so for, i guess they had record release copies there for some reason it was the all black embossed cover yeah uh, yeah that whatever was, uh, it was on yellow yeah i remember i remember the night i i had brought copies um and colby the guy who ran the champ just like kind of like yelled out he's like iron age records are here and yes yeah, some people swarmed and and we <laughs> you know we sold a bunch um but yeah it was it was a record release we just had extra copies of the record release which they had their record release show down in texas and i just had some copies and brought to i forget what show it was but i definitely remember that yeah i don't remember which i don't remember what, what else was going on i just do remember buying it and then unfortunately i remember selling it years yeah. later on yeah. ebay when i needed some money and that's that's now one of the records i have like on my my discogs thing that I want to, that I want to find and get back again, because I love, I love that thing. And, um, I know it came from, you know, that came from members from, 
far from breaking and all that. But did you know what you had? I know there was the the Butcher's Bill seven inch. I know there was the that you know the demo tapes. I had that too. I had all those things. But did you know what you were getting when you got Constant Struggle? No, not really. I mean, I do know Far From Breaking was really a really a great band. They were super energetic live. Jason, the singer of Far From Breaking, who sang for Iron Age and now he sings for Eternal Champion. Really cool guy. Um, I do know. So Far From Breaking <clears throat> ended, I believe it was, they they ended late in the year. I think it was uh, 2004. And then Iron Age, there was like a New Year's Day show. I, I think I'm. I may be getting my timeline a little bit wrong, but so it wasn't long be- between Far From Breaking Ending and Iron Age starting. And I remember like the LOJ guys from Line of Judah, which was a young blood band and um, just people from Texas saying, yo, Iron Age is, is, a, is, some, is a very special band. And it was very cool because if you have you ever heard the demo? The yeah, Age yeah, demo? I had it. yeah, I had it on cassette, yeah. I think it's, you know. The songs are cool, but like it was, it didn't show nearly what they would come into. Like it was like they were just learning how to record. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jason would like call me while they were recording it, and they were just kind of like self recording. And um, it's just funny to listen to that demo and then hear Constant Struggle and then hear The Sleeping Eye, which Constant Struggle is my, my favorite record of maybe of all time, but uh, Sleeping Eyes up there as well. Um, But I had an idea, but I'll tell you the moment that really blew me away was when they sent the master and, you know, here's, here's the the final record. It it may not have been mastered yet. Um, And just hearing the riff to evil ways, because it was just um, on a whole other level, you know, the beginning riff to evil ways. Um, Yeah. And I remember I was my my son. This was so. This was um, mid two thousand five. My son was like a couple months old. I was I was holding him, and then and I I put on my headphones and I just started laughing to myself because that I thought that riff was so genius. Um, I just remember holding him, but having headphones on and listening to a CD mass, the, a copy of the, the the record on CD and like a CD Walkman. <laughs> so yeah, cd walkman still existed uh, we're still relevant in like 2005 2006 they're like uh it's like impossible to find a cd player these days i mean i know it's not but like i i joke now that i i just got a new car and i just got a new laptop and i just got a new stereo and none of these things have a cd player in them anymore i have thousands of cds in my garage and nothing to play in one yeah, yeah, my my uh, my my Prius still has a CD player, but it's like ten years. My Prius is like ten years old. So. <laughs> yeah, right. it's and yeah, with with uh, computers, you know, um, yeah, they don't have CD drives anymore. How did that change? Um, since we're on the top topic. You you used to put CDs out. I used to buy them all the time. Yeah, I, I um, think probably uh, you know honestly probably most of my young blood uh, collection is on CD. So how did that change for? For you, did you get stuck with a shitload of CDs? Yeah, there was a few. There was a few releases where, um, you know, I, we just made too many. Like I'm talking, f- maybe 500 copies too many of each CD, and mm-hmm. I I won't name which ones because they're all great records. It was just a matter of when we ordered, you know, 
a, we should have ordered a thousand CDs when we ordered two thousand, you know. Right. Um, but the last CD that, like the the last fully packaged CD that came out on Youngblood was two thousand eight. I have it's cool. Um, I have noticed some newer younger labels now embracing the CD format. There's this label Days out of like mm-hmm. New York. They're yeah. really into CDs, and that's cool, you know. So it's always kind of fun to pick up a CD because you can just throw it in your car. Um, you know, I listen to Sp- I, 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 I'm more into Spotify than I used to. And I, you know, listen to a lot on Spotify, but there is something cool about not having to queue up anything and just throwing a CD in, in the CD player. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time since, so now it's, it's vinyl, some cassettes and, you know, digital for Youngblood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, just like, so, so to speak off of, uh, learning like uh we we did too many here what has been some of the bigger lessons you've learned with young blood over the years um getting back to the whole cd thing just making sure that you make don't make too many or too little to see what uh, of a, of anything of a record of a cd or a t-shirt, you know, to, to just kind of meet the man because, you know, a record or a CD that's not listened to is just garbage. Like, you know, something <laughs> you want to make as many as are needed, you know? Yeah. Um, because it's just a waste of resources to make too many more. You know, with CDs especially, it wasn't it, it, it kind of hurt to, to destroy some CDs because they were just taking up too much room and it was just a matter of too many were made. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they CDs are pretty cheap. It's just a, it just seems like a, it seems like sacrilege to have to throw 100 CDs or whatever into a dumpster just because the world would benefit from less of something that there was too many made of if that's making sense yeah 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 yeah. sure um so yeah that's one of the lessons um uh, you know i I guess another lesson would be just kind of knowing exactly uh just learning how to do things in in like a scrappy way where you don't you know you don't want to the working within a budget, working within constraints is one of the beautiful things about hardcore. You don't have to do anything over bloated or overblown. You don't have to spend too much on a recording, um, especially now because a lot of bands can just self-record it and it sounds really good. You know, yeah. um, a, a good lesson from hardcore is um, embracing constraints, working with them Um and just being scrappy and kind of making things happen yourself. And one of the the best thing about hardcore and punk, you know, DIY punk and whatever, is just uh, you you learn to make to kind of take your own permission and make things happen for yourself. You know, um, mm-hmm. if a band doesn't have to be super talented they just need to get started you know uh, you know i joke that sometimes all it takes to get a band started is all you need is a fucking song title you don't even need anything else you just need the idea that you're gonna do it and get started and i think that's a really beautiful thing about hardcore is just like bands just go for it 
Yeah. And it's, it really, you know, and a lot of times, most times it works out really well. You know, there's right now, you know, hardcore's on fire. Bands are just, I, you know, post pandemic, I saw bands like end it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of bands, but just really go for it. And it's just sick to see bands being like, we're going for it and no one's going to stop us. And mm-hmm. that's one of the, that's, that's just like a real hardcore attitude. Yeah. And it's, 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 working out for a surprising amount not surprising because whether they're good or not just surprising that that many can thrive at one time as there are right now because i don't think we've i don't think we've seen it like this before where it's so many different bands are having success in the realm of hardcore like but on different levels in a in a way like Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Yeah. Now, we obviously turn styles a whole different thing, right? But, yeah. but then you have like end it or you have uh i don't know spy or whatever like you know just bands from different little subgenres and hardcore all excelling and getting up to this level that uh i guess i mean bands have been there before certainly but maybe not so many at one time before at least from my perspective yeah like a band like gel is a good example like i think they yeah. started prior to the pandemic but as soon as like shows were back bands like gel end it um, they're like, we're going for it and no one's going to stop us. <laughs> and it's, it's just cool to see, you know, I mean, there's just, uh, it's, you know, hardcore's popping off and I'm sure you've been there before, but there's been shows I've been to in the nineties where there was more people in the bands than there were in the audience. Oh God. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> especially here Pratt- in like Central PA, there's, there's a lot of shows like that, you know? So, yeah, that's, I, I was, uh, I was talking to my wife about it one time because we all we all went to a show at uh, Phantom Power, and it wasn't okay. a hardcore show. It was just a uh, it was guys. Well, uh, without naming names, it was guys who were in hardcore bands, punk bands, but all playing like acoustic stuff. And we might have been three of five people paid, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just weird, you know what I mean? Then you feel like obligated to stay, but it, it's bad for everybody. And you almost <laughs> want to have like a little meeting and be like, Hey, why don't we all just like, it's, it's cool. Like, just go home. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for trying. It's not your fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's, it's weird. But, uh, you know, speaking of, of shows and the opposite, well attended shows you used to do, or you did for a while the young blood records showcase shows which i loved not only because i love the music and because you brought back bands that i love that were gone for a while but uh 
you always seemed to be wherever I was at. I was living in Pennsylvania and it was right here in, in Lemoyne at the champ. And then I moved to Baltimore and you brought it down to Baltimore and you did a Charm City art space. So like it was, it, was, it yeah. seemed to follow me there for a couple of years. And, and I loved that. And uh, you haven't done them for a long time. Do you think that's ever coming back? Um, maybe at like a big anniversary or maybe, you know, what I'm envisioning is doing like six or seven consecutive records, you know, really get getting some momentum going. Um, yeah, it was, I did the Youngblood showcase for technically seven years. The first one was on New Year's day, uh, 2006 at the cha- at the old championship. Oh, with like the best and, flyer ever. Yes. Yeah. 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 I got this. Yeah. You know, um, I, I tracked down this graf- like graffiti artist who used to do flyers in like the late eighties in DC. He did, he did a bunch of sick flyers for like uh, the fall brawl shows. You've heard of those. Of course. Yeah. 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 So I tracked him down. He hadn't done a flyer in like a, a you know, a long time. And he said, yeah, just don't tell anyone it's me that did this. So yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that show was, um, you know, a lot of young blood bands where there's like also there's like down to nothing played that. Um, the geeks, uh, Nick Fury, uh, yes, yeah, uh, War Hungry, yeah, and then like Line yeah. of Judah set to explode, band damage, yes, fired up. So that was the yep. first one that was um, New Year's Day 2006, and then 2000, I remember it well, I remember, I remember vividly. Nick Fury being up there doing Sad But True by Metallica. Why I remember that, I don't know, but I, I, just, I just remember it. I remember that. But yeah, so that so that was the first year. I didn't know that was officially or semi-officially, unofficially. I didn't know that counts, but all right. So I was at that one. So I think I was at all of them. Yeah, on the flyer, it says Youngblood Records Presents. So I kind of consider that the first one. But the first like real, real one was um, 2007 because it was a 10-year anniversary and, you know, striking distance at their first reunion, it, you know, it's so funny because that was 2007 and they did their last, their last show in 2003, but it felt like a long time. Now, you know, as, as time goes on, four years is nothing. And uh, I yeah. should have known it was nothing back then, but it was cool because it was, def- it was, it was our first reunion and it was just, it was great. Um you know, and then like a lot of, you know, Justice played that show from Belgium because mm-hmm. uh, I did like a, a, a U.S. press of their record escapades, um, you know, and then all the all the young blood bands like Lion of Judah, Iron Age, um, Fired Up, um, you know, all the bands. Um, that was that was a great show. I'm proud of how that one happened. And then 2008 and 2009, we're still up in Lemoyne and then it got moved down to the Charm City Art Space for 2010, 2011, 2012. And um, I just kind of stopped doing it because it it was hard to fill up that small room, Charm City Art Space. And there was, mm-hmm. you know, like Iron Age was playing, you know. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny, you know, because shows, again, getting back to shows now, it's shows are really well attended now. So, you know, the showcase may come back. Um but you know, booking shows was never really all 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 credit to people who who do that all the time because I find it kind of stressful. Yeah, I've never even yeah. bothered. I've never even attempted. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've never even tried, and I didn't want to be on the receiving end of one of those bad ones. I've seen some great shows played to no, or great I should say great lineups played to nobody, and it's just awkward, uh, weird. But uh, you know, it's all part of it. We all know that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Speaking, speaking of booking shows, my first like foray into ever booking a show was going way back. This was, geez, I think this was, um, 93. Um, and like Jeremy Weiss from CI just wanted to kind of like encourage me to book a show. So we booked it together and it was like, um, next step up played face yeah. value. So it was sick, man. I was at the chameleon and there was a lot of people there, you know, um, the, the funny thing is, you know, around that era, there was a lot of spillover from grunge where people were just interested in going to see anything where there'd be moshing. You know, um, I was flyering that show at Park City Mall, which is a local mall here in Lancaster County. And there's like a kid wearing two flannels and he's like, well, they'll be moshing here. And I was like, well, you, you just got to go. You guys got to show up to see, you know, so it, it's funny how um, there was a lot of residual interest in hardcore from grunge um for a little so yeah but yeah um now more now more than ever ever almost those those two scenes uh at least the sounds the sounds of grunge and hardcore colliding now more than ever i'd say yeah absolutely for sure (laughs) which Uh, is great for me because those are both my eras you know what i mean like that's uh you know born in 84 i was 10 and 94 you know i was 10 11 12 when it was you know whatever 9 10 11 12 when it was like peaking so that was like the radio was really cool to me back then and now it's really cool that it's like combining with like the hardcore in some way yeah yeah for sure i i remember when nirvana first broke uh me and like some friends had mixed feelings about it because we thought we were on into the real shit you know right right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was it was real it was definitely exciting when when that happened it seems impossible you know mm-hmm. so. well i, I don't want to like jump past the whole era of young blood but i also don't i, I don't want to go too long and i don't want to miss the stuff that's uh the more current things you've sure. been doing or have done with the label so we're going to fast forward a little bit in the timeline from yeah the uh the shows i mean although when i look at the discography i guess they're we're not missing we're not missing too much but uh let's go up to let's go up to now um you have most recently at least i know uh statement of pride has Mm -hmm. joined the label and uh which is interesting because don't they have their own label yeah, the singer Carter has his own label from Within Records, which is a really which cool is great. label. Yeah, yeah, great label. yeah, yeah. I, you know, I guess sometimes you know when you have your own label, you feel a little funny about putting out your own records. And I think it's cool because he's 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 seen, you know the whole band seems to really just be into the idea of being on Youngblood, which is is flattering and and cool. You know, I mean, I think you know kids and bands like that, like you know, think of some key releases on Youngblood, like No Tolerance and stuff like that. And they, you know, it's, I'm happy that people, you know, those records mean so much to people. So yeah, going to do an LP with them. Um, Hopefully sometime this year did a EP. It's going to come out on vinyl soon. Um, uh, Pressing plants seem to be speeding up a little bit. There was a whole problem with it for a long time. Yeah. and, um, you know, there's Statement of Pride that's on the label. There's also Struck Nerve, who are pretty, you're fairly active. There's um, Last Straw from Connecticut, which is the guys from that band, from Anxious, which is a, a band that tours a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and Oh, uh, I have written down here, what's up with Last Straw? 
because yeah. I know that there's, I know that there's a, you know, they, they kind of got two things going on. So, and there was a demo a couple of years ago, but yeah. is, is that band still active? Well, Last Straw's mostly a project band, um, but it's members of One Step Closer and Anxious. Um, so, you know, they've only managed to play four or five shows. I've caught one of them up in Wilkes-Barre. Um, so, you know, that was all we, you know, we knew that would always be, it's a, it's a project band and they actually, um, did a first stab at recording their, their, their 12 inch. But, um, since it's self-recorded, there's some things they want They're They're basically re-recording it. So, gotcha. um, we're hoping it will be out this, you know, definitely by this year. Um, so yeah, like the active bands, well, you know, last straw isn't super active, but there's last straw, statement of pride, struck nerve um that's what's currently going on and then you know you're asking about more of the label there's there's i want to get down to doing some discographies for some key bands like desperate measures and lights out yeah hell yeah <laughs> yeah yeah for sure I love and then that. yeah and then just see what else you know like i said i want to i'm going to get some some more bands on the label but uh, that's what's happening right now. I'm, I'm stoked on all of them. I think it's um, I've seen Statement of Pride twice. I saw them for the first time down in Florida at FYI Fest in January. And then they played up here about a month ago in Philly and awesome kids, you know, very DIY. They, they again, they have that that spirit of hardcore where they just they just take the ball and run with it. They record all their own stuff. It sounds great. And, you know. Carter does his own label. He does a, you know, he's in a number of other bands too, but so that, you know, those kids, you know, all those guys have like the, 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 the spirit of hardcore, the do it yourself spirit, which, which I love. Yeah. Well, tell me the, uh, they sound to me like a, a young blood band as well as struck nerve as well. You know, like the, the bands that you, to me, there's, well, not always, because there's been, there are certainly exceptions, but there's, there's like a young blood sound. Um, yeah. I don't mean to, minim, you know, minim, mitigate it or any and minimize it in any way, but you know what I mean. And I Yo, think absolutely. most other people, um, is that you, but you've gone outside of that before you did mind eraser, you did iron age, you did line of Judah and line of Judah is not too far, but it's different, you know? Um, yeah. No, it's a is, good record. That's that, you know, that came out on young blood that I think is forgotten because they only played a couple shows is true head. I don't know if you've ever yeah, heard that. Yeah. Aaron. Um, yeah. I remember. Well, I know I knew Aaron back then. So yeah. Yeah. To me, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a, a perfect record, you know, six songs in and out. That's all they recorded. But, um, you know, there's kind of a beauty of a band that leaves you wanting more because there's, there's, they're not a well-known band, but there, there's a small, cult around that band or there has been over the years and uh you know i love that I'm, I'm really proud of that record but yeah there's definitely a youngblood sound that you know goes back to all the way to like 1997 that um you know it's fast hardcore i don't like to use the, the term youth crew too much because i don't think that i think that's kind of uh a derogatory term and also it, it youth crew to me means the actual people from the youth crew like youth of today and stuff so <laughs> but it, you know it's the, the sound of Youngblood, if there is one, is kind of, it's fast, hardcore, you know, a lot of leanings towards straight edge, but it's not all straight edge bands. Um, um, certainly not. And, you know, guitar solos thrown in, you know, um, it's hard, it's hard to explain just because I don't want to call it youth group. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, totally, totally. Well, there was a uh, there was a, a band you released. Um, I don't know. Was it a tape or whatever? Was it Rapture? What what happened with Rapture? What was that? That was a band from the UK that you were going to yeah. do something. Maybe you're not anymore. What happened with that? Yeah, well, yeah. So basically, that band, um, the the members went and, um, you know, on to being a bunch of other bands. It, it, that may happen someday. I really hope so. I talked to the band about that, and that's one of the when I get down to doing discographies in the next. 12 months or less that's mm-hmm. one that needs to happen because rapture was a cool band the members went on to be in chubby and the gang um mm-hmm. big cheese uh okay she's yeah. what else what else i'm just those are the, the two main bands that the people went on to be in but uh you know uh, i really like there's a lot of good bands from the uk and they were like in, like an they were part of that scene, but yeah, just the timing was off and the band broke up, but it's something that will come out um, sooner than later. Cool. Cool. I like, I like to hear that. I didn't know, I didn't know it was shared members with those bands. I love both those bands, Chubby and, uh, and Big Cheese. Uh, Big Cheese does a great crossover sound, but, um, so, but, uh, but what you, while you might not put out a ton of records these days, you do do, you do do you do you do put out a lot of of shirts a lot of merch a lot of clothing yeah. which i love yeah. I, I i stop myself from buying more of all the time um <laughs> people at the gym probably think young blood is some type of uh sports apparel company by how i wear this shit in there all the time but um but i so this is obviously an extremely local question this is almost a janet avenue question <laughs> seems to me you go to the abandoned building to take some merch shots. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just said, yes, I do. I do. I go to uh, an old factory cause I think it just looks, looks cool in the background. <laughs> it does. It does. But it's funny to me that that's like, that's a, bu- a building that I've been through and I can just tell by looking at it. It's the one right there, right? Right by your yeah. house. Yeah. 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 You, you know, the one <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> two blocks away. Yeah. And, yeah. And, Which, uh, I, I think I've told you before, but I used to live right there on Janet Avenue, 645 yeah. Janet Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's but, it's uh, funny. There's, there's a factory there and some of the people that work there look at me weird when they're like, what the hell's that guy doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> Taking pictures of like, why is he putting his laundry on the fence again? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, what's also funny is that, uh, that uh, our oldest goes there to hang out and go through the building, which I'm sure it's got to be a popular thing for other teenagers. So I'm wondering if you ever get hassled by the local teens when you're out there taking merch pictures. No, no, it's during the day. So, (laughs) you know, uh, I didn't know kids go through there. I mean, I'm sure my daughters will at some point. They're 14, so they may have, and I may not know it. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's a big building. It is. It's, it's funny. That it's still it's still up there. But anyway, we, we don't need to talk about local landmarks. Um, but I want to talk about the uh, the the way you've gotten into this like merchandising. I don't yeah. know if that's the word for it, but the 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 shirts with Youngblood because it's a big part of the label at this point. So tell me about like getting into that world and how you found what works, what doesn't work. Well, so coming from you know skateboarding in the late eighties and nineties. The visual aspect was, and you know, hardcore. I've always the visual aspect of hardcore and skateboarding uh, has always 
spoke to me as much as the music or, you know, other aspects of skateboarding. And I've always loved a good t-shirt, you know? And, uh, in, in like the early nineties is when the first types of streetwear really happened in skateboarding it was like fresh jive and things like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. Stussy was an early one and yeah. even Supreme that was a little, little past my era of skateboarding, but I've always, um, I've always loved a good hardcore shirt, a good skateboarding shirt. Um, there's just something, something about the directness and how you can communicate to other people who you are through a good t-shirt has always spoke to me. And it's, um, I just really love the visual aspects of that. So that's kind of the inspiration between behind making merch is because I feel we have a good name and um, I'm really obsessive about different eras of t-shirts. So that was kind of the inspiration between it wasn't only, it wasn't until like maybe the last 10 years that I really kind of made it a concerted effort to, you know, there's there's certainly been times when it's been more merch than records. That's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I just love it. You know, it's it's the nice thing about um, making merch is that uh, you know it's a little bit more of a straightforward process, and it just feels good when people. The idea, the goal is always to make something that someone is stoked to get and wear. Um, so, you know, my, my mom always, compliments my young blood shirts. I gotta, I gotta tell you that. That's the goal. It's just to try to make something nice, you know. Uh, it's it's wearable stuff. It's fun. It's, like it's you know to the people who know what it is, it means something. But like to uh, and maybe that's maybe that's why I like it so much. Maybe this is. A bit, <laughs> maybe we're a bit old guys about this, but it's, but I think, you know, obviously young people like it too, but like, I like to be able to wear uh, something like that, like that represents what I'm into without it. Like inviting some kind of stupid conversation. I don't want to have for the 300th million time, you know? Sure. That's why there's even some, uh, young blood shirts that just say YBR. That's just those three letters. So it's kind of like stealth mode merch, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because, uh, yeah, it kind of it kind of sucks uh, to be wearing like a band shirt and then it's a, uh, becomes a conversation piece for someone, you know, yeah. um, that's especially if they're not part of the culture. You know, one time I was wearing a burn shirt, a burn shirt that said Godhead on it. And I at a flea market and someone seemed to have a problem with it. I just stared at him blankly and, until it was until I couldn't take the uncomfort anymore and just walked away. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, I love merch, but also kind of sucks when it be, when they become conversation pieces to someone that, you know, you may not necessarily want to talk to. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. No, merch, yeah, definitely, it's definitely something I put a lot of thought into. Um, and I'm always just trying to take inspiration from old graphics, new graphics, just things you see in life. And, there's definitely some things that were I try to that some designs that were uh, quote unquote rip off of obscure things. So um, I just try to take inspiration from things you see from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and skateboarding is is a is a huge influence. You know, hardcore obviously. But yeah, I'm. I'm When's glad the last you, time I'm you rode a skateboard? Ah. Uh, 
last summer um, because yeah. I I put together some cruisers for uh, my daughters, and that was just like a passing phase. So I'm like, I'll ride it, you know. But no, I mean, <laughs> we had that here too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't seriously skated. The funny thing about skateboarding though is, were, were you a skate? Were you a skater growing up? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, you know this, and it it never leaves your mind, even if you oh. aren't physically doing it. Dude, I do this. I noticed myself doing it today at work, uh, skateboarding with my pen on my keyboard yeah. and my cubicle, yeah. <laughs> like doing a blunt slide down, the, <laughs> down across yeah. the, the the keyboard. You know? Yeah. And, you know, Ian McKay said this, um, you know, he was a skateboarder in the late 70s. But like he said, mm-hmm. once you're a skateboarder, you see the world slightly different. And it's not something I really even noticed because it's second nature. But, you know, you you just inherently see a set of steps differently or a handrail differently. Um, and that's just, it's just cool. It's just uh, a way to see the world a little bit differently, but um, no, I, I, I haven't, I haven't skateboarded, but there hasn't been a day when, in a long time, but there's not a day when I don't think about it. So <laughs> that's cool. I totally, I totally understand that. Uh, I, I've had the same board for, well, since I graduated college. So for almost 20 years, in in my garage still it's like an old zoo york board and i still ride it every now and then the other day uh, my daughter mazzy was riding she's a motorized scooter and i was riding around the manheim town to the school campus right here those paths i was riding with her i'd, I'd hang on to the back of her scooter and uh-huh. stay on my skateboard and she pulled me awesome. around the, it, was, it was very cool it's, I, awesome. I, I like I like that it had the, the what was she said to me, which I laughed at, was you still got it, Dad. You know, like <laughs> yeah, it's just funny hearing it from her. But uh, it's, you know, who, I do. you know who rips, um, Dave Bird from Striking Distance. I've uh, heard, yeah, dude skates. You know, I don't know if it's every day, but he's he still skates, and he, he his he was sponsored in the late '80s, and he 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 rips. It's it's cool. It's cool. I mean, I think skateboarding something. Um, you can't ever stop doing if you're going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? So like, and he's seems like he's never, ever stopped. So it's just cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. The yeah. striking distance. Uh, yeah. I got to, I got to go back to, by the way, have, has been one of my favorite hardcore bands of all time. No hyperbole, nothing. I march to your grave, uh, the fuse of the lit, those songs, even, you know, the stuff before too, but I mean, killer, killer, killer yeah. stuff. I remember at one point the, the hall and the championship being, all March to your grave covers, I think. Yeah, that that, that was me. I put those up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we had extras, so I kind of put those up to kind of like decorate for the Youngblood Showcase 2007, and I guess it just stayed up for a while. Yeah, but that that was an honor to put that out. Dave actually approached us, you know, because the CD came out on another label, Thorpe, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he asked us to do the vinyl, and he basically kind of like go release. It. He wanted it on Youngblood. You know, he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll help you guys pay for it, which was, which is cool. It was, you know, an honor. I wish the whole thing was on Youngblood proper, but the vinyl is. And, um, cause I, I agree with you. It's, they're one of the best hardcore bands and March to your grave is one of the best sounding records, hardcore records of all time, in my opinion. And it's, there's not a dud on that thing. I mean, the whole no. band, everything the band did was great. Um, saw them last summer down in Baltimore and they killed it. It was Really cool because, um, you know, Dave, since he's, you know, always going to be a hardcore punk guy and skateboarder at heart, you know, was 
you know, sometimes you see bands get back together and they don't seem like the same people. It wasn't that way with Striking Distance. I'd love to see them play more shows. And it was as relevant as ever, you know, um, a lot That's of the, cool as hell. Yeah, a lot of things they've had to, to talk about were, as you know, as relevant as the day he wrote them 20 some years ago, you know. Always an imposing presence up yes. there. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's awesome man he's i remember one young blood showcase uh um set to explode and striking distance played and uh he was just uh someone fired uh, up. uh yeah he was fired up and i remember i remember someone, because it was so, it someone was... Sl- slapped him in the face and he wasn't having it because people thought that was like he was just cool with people always doing that and he was yeah he really called out the kid it was it was cool I remember those days. I mean, I'm sure you might have some memory of it too, but the, uh, I remember getting into some issues with some of those guys. Just try- <laughs> it was set to explode and Iron Age. With Iron, Iron Age guys, we we hashed that out years later down in Baltimore, uh, <laughs> yeah. where I, they, they, they came to the same party I was at. And I was like, hey, do you guys remember? And they were like, yes, that was you, wasn't it? I was like, yeah, it was. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah those the fun shows uh I'm, i miss that stuff i can never act that way ever again i'd die but uh the, <laughs> just to drink and mosh and party all day those fast hardcore bands constantly like that that was that was so cool uh but awesome. it, and and the, the the really cool thing here sean is that uh like genuinely i thank you for all that because you brought that all to me like like genuinely like without you doing all this here it wouldn't have gotten on my radar it wouldn't have i don't think we would have had that show in york with those bands uh you know and that would have i don't think it would have clicked that way i don't think i would have picked up that desperate measures demo tape and become obsessed with striking distance and gone to see him again in redline and you know it just snowballs from there. So uh, that's so I, I I always feel like I owe a lot to what you've done in Youngblood Records and the exposure that you've granted me. That's that's awesome. That's that's great to hear because I'm the same way. It's funny. Like I feel like you know when you do a label or you do a band, it's hard to really see it objectively. You know because I see you know things I. I'm proud of everything, but I see what, what more I could do, but it's, it's nice to see. It's nice to hear that because it's hard to kind of see it from another's. It's nice to hear another person's point of view because it's hard to see, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm rambling, but it's kind of hard to see exactly um, your impact, you know, how, how it impacts other people. And I, I believe it because this, of many different hardcore bands and labels, big or small, whether they put out two records or 200, some of them have had huge impacts in my life. So it's, it's nice to hear that that does the same for people. And that's all, that's basically the goal, you know, just um, put out some records that made me feel the way, you know, the first few records that, that, that I fell in love with when I got into hardcore, you know, what I always say is, um, you know, if, I can put out a record that makes me feel the way like the unit pride seven inch made me feel when I was like 15 and getting ready to go skate for the day. And that's mission accomplished.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Sean O'Donnell of Youngblood Records. And the song you just heard was from Statement of Pride. We talked a little bit about them and their new record coming later this year. That was a track off of it. It's called Memories. It's available now out there in the digital world. Pick it up. Listen to it. Buy it on Bandcamp. Enjoy it. Or just keep rewinding here and listening to it over and over again. But you know what? You can you could afford the dollar. Go buy it off of Bandcamp. Put it in your digital inventory. Make it part of your digital library. Make it part of your physical library. Print it out on a piece of paper and file it away. Put it on your shelf. Look at it. Show it to your friends. Put it in an envelope. Put it in a card. Give it to somebody for their birthday. Got any weddings coming up? Is it wedding season? I got one this month. Maybe I'll give them a digital version a printed digital version of Memories by Statement of Pride. I'm not going to, but maybe I will. It's a possibility. It's also a possibility that the 76ers will win tonight at home and award Joel Embiid his well-deserved MVP trophy. I think that's a strong possibility. I don't know about the win, but the trophy presentation is. Anyway, things I make sure I need to make sure I'm uh, going to stumble over words for to get out of my mouth is that. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for coming on the podcast, having a conversation with me. Uh, I appreciate it. I don't know if I left it in there, but Sean and I, I think we kind of touched on it, but Sean and I live very close. Uh, We share an area code and that makes him the third guest I think I've had on. I think only the third in recent memory that I've had on that, uh, that that live pretty nearby. And that's pretty cool. Uh, I like that uh, people around me are doing cool things and have been for a very, very long time. It's awesome. Anyway, that's going to be it for this episode of the podcast. I got a few cool things coming up. I believe the next episode is going to be Vamakara. That one's already recorded and ready to go. Uh, Some other cool stuff, including one of Pennsylvania hardcore's best. I'm going to leave it at that. Looking really, really looking forward to that one and to giving that, bringing that to you here on Getting It Out podcast. So that's it for this one. But as always, we need to end it with a song. So why don't we go back to that highly regarded and revered and loved by both of us, Sean and I, constant struggle record from Texas's Iron Age. Let's go with the lead off track. Here it is. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.